First of all, I just want to say that uh, I have known uh, Reverend, it's hard for me to call him Reverend Wes Lawson, uh, since I believe I was in sixth grade. I think that's when they moved to Waynesboro, and I went to school with his son. And so when he's when Daniel says, I'm not as excitable as uh, Reverend Wes Lawson, well, neither am I, and, and neither are very many people. He's very excitable, man, and uh, was very thankful for the opportunity to come and fill in for him today. And uh, just thankful to be with you all, and as uh, Daniel mentioned here, we were with the International Mission Board for about 10 years in Turkey, and we moved back uh, really just a few months before COVID hit. Uh, we just felt like God was, it was time for us to transition back into the States, and so we, we answered. In some ways, it was a much more scary decision than going overseas the first time, uh, and so that's how we ended up back in the States, and it's just good to be here with you this morning, and it's always an honor and a pleasure to be in God's house with God's people. It doesn't matter if it's with the believers there in Turkey. It doesn't matter if it's back home in Waynesboro or with you here in Athens this morning. It is a blessing and an honor to be with you. All that said, I want us to jump straight into the text this morning. So please, if you have your Bible open, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you see me looking at my phone... I just want to let you know it's because I didn't wear my watch this morning, and I don't want to keep you till 12.30 or 1, so I'll, I'll have that there occasionally. Just look at it, but uh, if you see it, let's just let you know. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I'm going to read just the first verse. It says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Let me word that verse. Let me just go, let's walk through that just briefly. It said at the beginning, since we have this ministry. And I want to know, well, if this verse is that important, that can keep us from losing heart, what does he mean by this? What does he mean by this ministry? And what does he mean that we've received mercy? And what does it mean that we will not lose heart? I, I look at this, and, and I want us to walk through that this morning and it's going to, I'll just be honest, this probably could have been a two-sermon lesson. And so that, there's some things I'm going to summarize and not go into as, in as great of detail as normal. But I want us to see it this morning. So as we word it, as we look at it, again, therefore, since we have this ministry, we're going to come back to what that specifically means. But that's the same word that we get the word deacons from. And you guys know the deacons are the servants of the church. And so we have all been called into God's service, but we are called into God's service in a particular place and time, specifically under the New Covenant, that is, under the, we're in the New Testament, the New Covenant, where we have salvation by Jesus Christ. And he's going to contrast that in a minute to the Old Covenant through the Law of Moses. And uh, I don't know what you guys studied in Sunday school this morning, but in the Sunday school class I went to, we were in Numbers and looking at the Law of Moses and, and what was going on at that time. So we're going to come back to that in a minute. But just look at the last part of this. We do not lose heart. How many of you have ever lost heart? Another way to say that is to be discouraged, to be disheartened. I know there's been several specific moments in my life where this verse touched me where it impacted me because I read it and said, listen, I'm in danger of being discouraged. And sometimes I just flat out was discouraged. And so I read this verse. I remember reading this several years ago in Turkey. And you can imagine if you are working among a Muslim people, 
in a country that is 99.9% Muslim. The work is sometimes hard and frustrating. What I mean is you're sharing the gospel with people, and you might share hundreds, maybe thousands of times, and the vast majority of those times, they're just going to say no. Or sometimes get angry with you for sharing. Anybody ever had that experience? You share the gospel with somebody and they get mad at you? I bet you have. And I just know at times it was discouraging to me, and so this verse really pulled it out of it, or pulled me out of that. Uh, so, but this verse always helps set us back on the right course. Because they always told us, listen, you're going to have bad days. You're going to have bad mornings. Sometimes it's just hard to get out of bed and put your feet on the ground and put one foot in front of the other and keep going. But what we don't want to have are bad seasons of life. I and mean, you're going to go through times that are hard. But here's what I mean. We can begin to redirect our thoughts. We can allow the God to work in us and to pull us out of that depression and the discouragement. And so I'm asking you this morning, just like me, have you ever been there? Have you ever been depressed? Ever had those hard moments? And I want to tell you this morning, as a pastor, someone who's been studying the Word for a long time, it's normal. Part of the normal part of being a human being, and it's general to all human beings, is that we all have times where we lose heart. We all have times where we're discouraged. And it, all you got to do is look through the scripture, look at the Psalms of David. How many of you have ever read through the Psalms? You know that they're gritty. They're authentic. They're real. He shows you exactly what he's feeling. Uh, I won't go into that for sake of time this morning, but listen to Psalm 42. Listen to verse, Psalm 42, verse 3. David said, My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? You ever heard that before? I mean, you're crying, you're in tears at the state of, of your people, the people around you, your church maybe, the community, and people are just mocking you and saying, listen, where's your God? Why doesn't he answer you? And you can see why David was down, and he talks again about his tears being his food. It says, these things I remember, and I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. He's, in other words, he said, there used to be these good days where I led the people through the festivals. We were rejoicing and celebrating as we went to worship the Lord. And he's remembering that even as he's in tears. And then he says this, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. You see why Paul is having to tell them and warn them in 2 Corinthians 4, don't lose heart, because we all get there. David was there, and in many of David's psalms, you find that he's struggling with depression finding that his circumstances have beaten him down. You know what he does in those moments? He always gets redirected. Uh, in one psalm, he, he's worried about how all the wicked people are prospering. And he about gives up, and then it says he goes into the holy place. He went into the temple to worship, and when he did, his heart was changed. So this morning, church, no matter what's going on in uh, our country, no matter what's going on in your church, 
I want to tell you, you, there are days where you might be discouraged, but we've got a good promise in the scripture today, and so I want us to study it. So again, uh, we're back in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to read verse 1 again. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Uh, If you flip back into chapter 3, I want to know what this ministry stands for. And you see that the verse started with the word, therefore. And that always points us backwards in the text. And I'm not going to repeat the pun because some people are already laughing. But when we see the word therefore, what do we always ask? What's it there for? We go back in the text. What is Paul talking about in chapter 3? And so we flip over a page. And again, for sake of time, I can't do all this. But if you look at verse 6, chapter 3, verse 6, it says, God has made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. In other words, he is talking in chapter 3, and as we get into chapter 4, this ministry he's talking about that we've been called to serve in is the new covenant, the covenant of the Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit. Verse, in, if you look at verse 7 of chapter 3, he says he, it goes there on in detail about the old covenant. It's all summed up by the law of Moses here in this text. And in 3.7, here's what he calls the law of Moses, the ministry of of death. Who wants to say that I serve the ministry of death? Now that's what he's saying that the law of Moses was the ministry of death and if you look at verse chapter 3 verse 9 he calls it the ministry of condemnation. Neither term is very flattering is it? Here's what I want you to understand. As you study you go look back at the Old Testament. We think of the law of Moses. I bet you think of the Ten Commandments. You've got the Ten Commandments, God's moral law. You have the civil laws that govern Israel. You have the ceremonial laws that would have judged, uh, that would have governed the temple. You have all of that is in place and in mind. And what Paul is telling us is, listen, that law, as glorious as it was, and it had its glory, it didn't save us. That no one was ever declared righteous or good enough to go to heaven based on the Old Testament law. And so as one of the first uses of the law, as we look at it, is it is a reflective mirror. And we see God's standard, and it points back at us. And when I see the law of Moses, I realize I don't meet the standard. This morning again in Sunday school, those were in Numbers 21, and they're just grumbling. And they do this over and over again. They rebel against God. And that's us. It points out that no one ever got it right based on the law of Moses. How is, and so as Paul is talking about this, uh, it's difficult because we don't want to see the law that way. And in fact, if you look at Psalm 19, it talks about the law being pure, sweeter than the honeycomb, enlightening the eyes, able to make wise the simple. God's law is true and so it's good, but only if you view it rightly. And for us on this side of on this side of salvation, we can look at the law of God and say, hey, I want to live like God has asked me to live. But for them, it was condemnation. They looked on it, and they were condemned. They realized they deserved death. You guys think about that? The penalty for sin has always been the same. What they tell Adam, what God tell Adam in the garden? The day of you, you eat of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely what? Die. And then and the, when Moses came around and they're sacrificing all those animals, 
What's the symbol? What are we supposed to learn from that? When you sin, something must die. The law was a tutor. It was a teacher leading us to realize we were under sin. We deserve the death penalty. And so as we see that uh, in this text, uh, Paul is trying to contrast the law, pointing out our sin, and now we have something better, something more glorious that has come. If we look down in the text, we, we realize in chapter 3, uh, if I can find my place here. In verse 6, we, it was, again, we are adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Look down at verse 8, and it says, How will the ministry of the Spirit fail to be even more with the glory? In other words, as Moses' law, as the Old Testament law, the Old Covenant, the ministry of death had glory, so does the ministry of the Spirit. And we now live in the age where the ministry of the Spirit is what we're serving. We are servants of the gospel, servants of the good news that Jesus Christ has come. He was the Son of God. He, was, he lived the perfect life, fulfilled all the law of Moses for us so that he didn't deserve the death penalty, yet he was willing to die on our behalf. And that's the good news, and now the ministry of the Spirit is what Paul is preaching, and people are being saved. And he knows that he does it in the power of God, and so he's telling them, listen, that's why we don't lose heart. We have such a better ministry, such a better understanding of God's salvation that we are not disheartened. If you, were, if you are disheartened this morning, maybe you look around, right? Maybe you look back and you think, there were glory days for Forest Heights Baptist Church. There were days where this place was full. And it's easy to be, in, to be dis, disheartened, isn't it? It's easy to say, listen, I've got friends and loved ones that used to say they believed in Jesus, and some of them don't go to church anymore, and some of them just tell you, I don't believe that anymore. And it's easy to really, really get down. And I know it because I, I meet with a group of pastors just about every Tuesday, and we get together. And uh, When I first moved back, I realized they'd already figured out, listen, the culture's changed. Used to, you were respected as a pastor. Now, you're really a source of antagonism. People get upset with you because you're teaching the gospel. They don't want to hear it anymore. And as culture has shifted a little bit, and I'm talking about over the last couple of decades, right? The nominal Christianity, that is people that were on the fringe, they kind of came to church, Maybe they had a maybe they were insurance salesman. If you're an insurance salesman, I'm not attacking you, but maybe they were selling insurance, and they thought, you know what? It's good for me to be seen in church. For a long time, there are cultural benefits of going to church, and those have been removed and stripped away. It's now almost the opposite. It's not looked upon well in many cases if you do go to church, and so we've seen that shift. And they were really struggling with it. I was coming from a a place uh, in Turkey where I just expected people not to understand the gospel and was telling them, listen, hasn't it kind of always been this way, though? Is it, hasn't it always been hard? Hasn't it always been difficult, even when things on the surface look good? Uh, but the other part of this is you see that pastors are, are retiring and, and not just retiring but quitting. They're saying, listen, this isn't worth it. And so I, my message for us as a church this morning, and for, for all of us, no matter if you remember here or not, is let, don't be disheartened. 
Hear what Paul has to say in this message. The first thing I, I would ask you to do, turn back into chapter 4. The one part of, of verse 1 I didn't talk about. It says, therefore, since we have this ministry, that is, we are under this call to serve under the New Testament, the ministry of the Spirit, the ministry of life, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Again, we never deserved it. And one of the things I think we have to do as, a, as Christian people, when things get hard, is go back to the gospel. Go back to the beginning and say, hey, what has God done for me? Because I didn't deserve heaven. I want you, as a church, go home today and think about when you first got saved. When you first realized, listen, I'm desperately in need of a Savior because I deserve death and hell. The first, go back and remember what your first love was like when you gave your life to Christ. The first time the burdens of those sins fell away. That is one of the things we have to do to not lose heart. We have to remember we weren't saved by any merits of our own. We didn't deserve it. God, in His grace, in His majesty, in His love, and His wonder, He not only poured out His His not only sent Jesus to save you, it was all through mercy, all through grace. It was freely given. So go back to, and just share that testimony. Think through your testimony. Maybe share it with someone else in the church later. But one of the first things we have to do is get back into what he's done for us and rejoice because we take the gospel for granted. It's, we've heard it so many times. Yes, Jesus saved me, but we forget the wonder of it. We forget to meditate on the fact that this was the God, the King of the universe, leaving the glory of heaven behind to be born in a manger, to live a perfect life and then to die in my place. If one of you said, listen, I'll die in your place, I'd be shocked, amazed, I wouldn't know what to do. I'd probably give you all my money. But when Jesus does it, sometimes we... You know, we rejoice, but then we, we forget sometimes. And so it's just a reminder, as we've re received mercy, we do not lose heart. Now look down to uh, verse 3. It says, even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, we read that, and, and you might be thinking, Pastor, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging, not discouraging. Because it says there that, listen, you know, when Moses came down from the mountain with the law that we just talked about, he had to cover his face because he was reflecting the glory of God. And people said, hey, we realize we don't meet the standard. We don't want to meet that God face to face. We don't want to see his glory. Can you please hide? They wanted to hide from him. Later, he would speak to his people, and they would say, listen, don't let God speak to us anymore, Moses. We're terrified. Would you speak for us? God, just please talk to Moses. There must be an intermediary. And we see that here, that, that the gospel was still, the law was so glorious, and what we have now is better. But it tells us when we read the law, our hearts are still veiled. When we hear and see God's standard, 
we don't want to accept it. We want to hide from it. We want to run from it. And I know we do because I'm that way. When we catch ourselves in sin, or rather somebody else catches us in sin and forces us to acknowledge our sin, we really, I mean, we just want to hide. The veil comes over. We feel the condemnation coming out. And he says here, though, in, it says, even if our gospel is veiled, even though it's not, it's, veiled, it's just veiled to those who are perishing. That is, to those who have not believed, who are still obstinate, going their own way. And it says, in the case, it says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. Well, I'm telling you, listen, you can think back to a golden age of the church in America if you want to. But the truth is that the people that were spiritually blind have always been spiritually blind. The lost have always been the lost. I used to be the lost. I was just as obstinate. Um, I remember very clearly thinking, I don't, I don't know if the gospel is, is real or not. I don't know what church is. I didn't grow up in church. I don't know why people do it. And I just thought, well, I'm a pretty good guy. If I die, I bet I'll go to heaven. And that was, the, that was what I believed. And I was looking at other religions until one day God opened my eyes. And he used somebody else to do it, somebody else to bring me the gospel and get into his word. Uh, but here's my point. Every one of you before you got saved was blind. And it, said, it says here that it was the God of this world who blinded their eyes. Now, we know from, uh, if you start looking in the, in the scripture, where he's talking about Satan there and other references, and uh, specifically the God of this world that has blinded the eyes of the believer is the devil. And he is currently reigning and ruling. If you look at Ephesians 2, uh, it calls him the prince of the power of the air who is now at work in the sons of disobedience. The prince of the power of the air. And we see that Satan is at work, but we were all sons of disobedience. We were all trapped in that. And so when we see this text and it says, listen, if the gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, we think, well, what good does it do to take the gospel to my neighbor if they don't see it? What good does it do if their eyes are blind? Well, look down at verses 5 and 6. I know that uh, we're, again, I'm, I'm having to jump ahead a little bit and, and we can't go through all of this today. Verses 5 and 6, For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and, our, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Listen to this. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. As you read that, here's what I want you to understand. Don't give up. It might seem hopeless. They might seem blind. But when you get to verse 7, or verse 6, Light shall shine out of darkness. You guys know what that's a reference to? That's back to Genesis 1. Saying that God who spoke and said, let there be light, and he created the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven, all the stars above, the same God who was able to speak and do that. He's the God who shone the light of Jesus in your heart when you were blind. In other words, as he uses us as his messengers, we go and we take the gospel, and the Spirit is at work. So we don't have to be discouraged when things don't go our way, and we can be encouraged even, because 
We have the God who is the creator of all the universe who still works in his power to save people. When you were blind, again, when you were blind to the good news, God is the one who has shown in our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You ever share with someone you just thought it was hopeless? I have. And I guarantee you some of you have. You know why we can keep doing it? Because the ministry that we've been called to is a ministry that we do alongside of the creator of the universe. He's still working. He's still active. And so it doesn't matter what the news channel tells you to be afraid of. It doesn't matter what the culture says to be afraid of. It doesn't matter even what our experience sometimes says. Listen, where are the people? Well, guess what? God said, if my people don't praise me, I'll raise up stones. And even here, he says, listen, I can speak and I can create new people. Do you know that the scripture says that when we come to know him, we put our faith in him and we believe we are born again. We are created as new creatures. We are remade. That is a, that every time someone puts their faith in Christ, it is miraculous. It is a miracle. And we forget sometimes all of his glory and all that he does. So listen, as we do this, we've been called to a better ministry, a ministry of grace, a ministry where God saves us because of his love for us. And it's all freely given to us as a gift. But we also, uh, we, we don't lose heart because we have received mercy. Because he has done this in our lives and we can think back on our testimony of how he saved us then we don't lose heart because uh, even though it seems hopeless sometimes the creator god is on our side today he's here he's with you when you go out proclaiming the gospel and so you can trust in him the creator god who was able to make you into a new creature to make someone else into one He can take out their obstinate, stubborn hearts of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Now, uh, last part, I know we've got to kind of start wrapping this up here, but look down at verse 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. It says, We have this treasure in earthen vessels, so the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Why don't we lose heart? Well, some days I want to lose heart because I'm an earthen vessel. You know what that means? I like clay pots. I, we used to walk in, among a lot of ruins. You know, there's more ruins, like Greek and Roman ruins in Turkey than Italy. And so you could go and walk in all those old places. You know what you find everywhere? Pottery shards. You know why? Because they're easily broken. You drop one, it's fragile, it just shatters. We're like that. Our bodies are like that. We're easily broken. We're easy to get down. So it's our, our mental state. Sometimes our faith is weak. We're like that pottery. It says here that, again, that we're, we have this treasure, this great message, this great gospel, this great Jesus, the great spirit in earthen vessels. We hold it in containers that are fragile. And we are fragile. And you say, well, again, how is that encouraging? So the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. That at the end of the day, why do you not lose heart? Because the power is not in you, Daniel. It's not in you. It's not in me. It's not in any of us. It's in God. And so what he's telling them here is, listen, God is a miraculous God. 
He's a supernatural God. He is not held to the same rules of gravity as we are. And so if he wants to shine light into someone's heart, he will do it. And he's going to use you, the weak vessels, to do it. And so the encouragement here is don't give up. Don't lose heart. Trust in him today. Just a moment, I'm going to pray and, and uh, we're going to have an invitation. But I want you to be encouraged. And I know this message, it, it sounds, some of this is hard. And you are experiencing hard things, and you have. I, every pastor I talk to says, Pastor, we, we lost a third of our congregation. And they're not coming back. And I know you've been there. And you've got loved ones, and you're praying for them. And tonight, if you come back tonight, this evening, we're going to talk about praying for one another. Because if we have a God who can do all this, who wants to use us with his great power, we better ask him to help, right? And so we're going to talk about that tonight, but just encourage you, don't let the, what happens in the world turn you away. Don't let it dishearten you. And if you're there, it's okay. Come and pray. Give your, just tell them, listen, God, I, I haven't been where I needed to be. I haven't been trusting in you. I have been discouraged, and he can raise you up. Let's pray. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. I thank you that we don't have to lose heart because you are such a good and gracious God. I thank you that when we were still sinners, you sent Christ to die for us, your only and beloved son. God, I thank you that salvation is by faith through grace. It is a free gift given out to us. And God, I thank you that we live in an age where the Spirit is at work and we are actively called into His service. God, I thank you. I pray for this church. I pray that all of us here would not be disheartened. I pray as we go about our week, God, that we would see that you are always there with us. That just as you have worked miracles in the past, you will continue to work them. God, we bless you. And we thank you for your grace. Amen.